After today, we got one more week of our Voices series. Why are we talking about voices? We live in a world that has got so many voices crashing in on us. And at the very beginning, the, the very first thing I said in the first message was, what, who are you listening to? What voices are, listening to, are you listening to and what authority do you give them and do they really have any authority? Today we're going to take a look at uh, the question of what do you do when God tells you to go? What do you do when you know that you hear God's voice and He tells you to go, to go do something, to go say something, to go give something, to go be something? What do you do? What's your response when God tells you to go? Maybe it's something you don't want to do. Maybe, maybe you just recognize it as a gut feeling and, and that's your understanding of hearing from God. You know what most of us do? See, I grew up around here. I know what we do. We say, well, okay, let me pray about it. I don't want to do anything too quickly. Let me pray about that for a little while. I want to make sure that's really what God wants. You know what? If God told you that, if you know that's God's voice, you don't need to pray about it. You need to do it. So when you hear God's voice, what do you do? What's your response? We're going to talk today about Philip. He clearly hears the voice of God. comes to him initially from an angel. And he's obedient. And he's obedient when everything around him, everything about what he's doing and the people and, and the situation that he's in, everything about it, tells him to stay right where he's at because he's got a good thing going on. But the angel comes to him and Philip's first response is to be obedient. We're going to meet him in uh, chapter 8 of the book of Acts. Now, to be clear, this is not the Philip that's a disciple of Jesus. That was a different Philip. This is the Philip that uh, was in Jerusalem. Uh, he's there when the, when the church is just getting formed. The Christian church is just beginning. We read about it in the beginning of the book of Acts. He is one of the first seven deacons that they chose to lead the early church. And they chose the, the uh, deacons because there was an argument that got started in the church. And they chose deacons to be able to settle the argument and try to to bring a little bit of reason to the chaos that was happening. <clears throat> this Philip is just like a lot of you who are followers of Jesus, but who aren't professional people in ministry. You're just passionate about what Jesus is doing in the world. You're passionate about what He's done in your life and the way that Jesus changes people's lives. And at the time we meet Him, and this is the part that's so fascinating, He's got this rocking ministry going on in Samaria. And it seems like there's no reason in the world God would ever want him to leave. But we pick it up in chapter 8, verse 4 of the book of Acts. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the Word. What was happening was uh, Stephen has just been stoned. Saul is there, uh, has not yet been encountered, has not encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. We understand him as Paul later. He is kind of leading this terrorizing of the early Christian church. And so the believers scatter. They go to the countryside because there is the imminent threat of death. And so they're scattered about preaching the Word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds were with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him, and they saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. The believers have been scattered literally because they're being persecuted and their lives are on the line. And they take off to the countryside. They take off to the countries around them which are not necessarily friendly to them. But rather than acting like refugees or victims of persecution, which they are, they're moving throughout the area of the Middle East near to them as missionaries of the Gospel, bringing the good news of Jesus and the joy that follows that to people who would have never heard it otherwise. 
Now remember the Samaritans are those people that the Jews had such a problem with. It's why we've got the parable of the Good Samaritan that's so striking in the New Testament because the Jews didn't believe a Samaritan could do anything good. Nothing good could come from a Samaritan. In fact, it was a racial divide because the Jewish people felt like the Samaritans were only half Jewish and so they didn't count at all. They were, they were a mixed race they wanted nothing to do with. And in fact, they had a, a racial slur against them that translates into English as the dogs of the desert. They were not kind. They did not get along. And yet here Philip is in the middle of Samaria preaching the good news to these people. And what happens is that Holy Spirit revival breaks out. I mean, I mean, this guy's having church. How do I know that? We just read it. We just read what's going on. Philip is doing exactly what we do here every week. We proclaim Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that everybody that listened to Philip, all of the people listened in one accord as though they were all one person. They paid such close attention to what was being said by Philip. They were there looking to be changed. They had heard what was going on. They knew the message they were going to hear. And they were there because they wanted to be changed. They were there because they wanted to encounter God. Why did they do that? Well, because the power of the Holy Spirit was work in and through Philip. It says unclean spirits came out loudly crying, screaming out of people who had them. Many of those who paralyzed or lame were healed. You know, one of the great things about what I get to do every week is I get to hear the stories and the testimonies from our staff, from our prayer ministry people, from you about the way that God is at work, that His Holy Spirit is at work in this place and lives are being transformed and changed. People are coming to meet Jesus in a personal way. Miracles are being done. Healings are happening. And it's all real because God is real, just like what we're reading about here. It's why we as a church are committed to having such a strong and accessible presence for our prayer team. Why? Because the power of God rests in our prayers. It's why we invite the Holy Spirit here every Sunday. God, have Your way. Whatever it is that You want to accomplish today, we don't want to get in Your way. God doesn't need our permission, but we want to always give God our permission. We're not going to stop God from doing what it is that He desires to do among us. So the city, it says, is filled with joy because many of them were being healed, restored, and made whole. Do you know what the Bible doesn't say? And sometimes we have to pay attention to this. It says many of them. The Bible doesn't say all of them were being healed. It doesn't say all of them are being restored. Now, you, know, you would think that that would be what we would read, but it isn't. Not everybody was healed. Now, now if God's using Philip to bring people to faith through miraculous healing, wouldn't it make sense that God would just make a clean sweep of it and everybody that had a problem would be healed? But God doesn't do that. The Bible says God heals many, but not all. And what we know is that God's work here isn't done. It is beginning in a powerful way, but it isn't done. He's not wrapping it all up with Philip's visit. I hope that those of you who feel that God has passed you by or not heard your prayers take some comfort in this. This might be the only thing you take home with you today. And if it is, that's all right. See, we don't understand all of what it is that God is doing. You may not have had your prayer answered yet, but trust in this. God will complete in you what it is that He has begun. Because you haven't seen the miracle you've asked for doesn't mean God is ignoring you and has passed you by. Many of the people were healed, but not all of them. Because God hadn't concluded His work yet. 
If you jump to Acts 8.26, it says, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go to the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And it tells us this is a desert place. This angel now is speaking for God. He's bringing a word directly to Philip from God. And Philip is clear about that. And he says, Philip, leave this incredible ministry that you've got going on in Samaria. And head south. Go way south in Israel, down into the middle of the desert. Be a little bit like God telling you, and you knowing this is God's voice, saying, pack up. Leave your job. Leave what you own behind. Leave your family. And, and I want you to go on a trip, and I want you to walk, because that's what Philip had to do. Like God said, I want you to walk to the middle of a, of a desert in the middle of central Iowa. And not tell you anymore. Now, that is not a slur against central Iowa. I was born in Iowa. I dearly love the place. But that would be the distance from where Philip was to where Philip went would be about from us to central Iowa. Maybe a little bit further, but you get the point. What would you do? If God didn't tell you any of the reasons why, didn't tell you what you were going to be doing, didn't tell you how it was that you were going to take care of yourself or anything else, if He just said, go, take a trip and go south, this is the place you want to go to, a, a barren area where there isn't really known for too much of anything. See, that's God's voice to Philip. It's basically, hey buddy, thanks for the good work. I appreciate what you've done. But I want you to go to the driest, dustiest, most barren part of the desert in the whole country. Would you do it? Would you just pack up without a question and go? See, what, what we do around here is we say, well, let me pray. Let me see if this is what God really wants me to do. Because we like to get spiritual about that stuff, right? We hear God's voice and you know what? If you've been around God, if you've been a Christian, a believer, if you've even been coming to church and you don't know for sure what you believe, you've heard God or you've gotten a nudging and God has moved you to something that He wants you to do, to believe, to say. And so what we learn really quickly is say, well, I'm going to pray about it, that. But you know what we really are doing? It isn't that we want to pray, it's that we want to delay. You know, God, maybe that's not quite, I'm not quite the right person. Maybe it's not really what you want me to do. I may be hearing you wrong. So we say we're going to pray, but in reality, what we're really doing is just playing the delay card. See, Philip knew that this area didn't have people. It was a dusty, old, dry road. It was known more for robberies than revival. People died here. It was a risky place to bring the good news of the life of Jesus. But verse 27, it says this in, in, in these simple words. It says, He rose and went. Philip was obedient. He left his growing, thriving, miracle-filled church with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit at work among them and headed off in the middle of nowhere because God told him to. I wonder, would you do it? Would I? Or would we say, you know what, God, I, I think I got the wrong message. I think you meant that for somebody else. This is faith at work. This is trust in God and God's provision at work. This is obedience. Obedience is acting without thinking of reasons why not to. It's simply doing. In the Christian church in America, we struggle with obedience because we want things to fit into our time frame, into our schedule. We want things to fit into our finances and our comfort zone. God told Philip to go, and Philip rose and he went. Going on, it says, And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. 
The guy that God has Philip to go meet is one person. He's from another country, from another continent. He serves another queen, and he speaks another language. And God says, head down there, right? That's, he doesn't know it yet, but the story's telling us in the Bible that that's what he's going to go meet. He's the court official to the queen of Ethiopia. He's in charge of the entire wealth of the nation for this queen. Around here, we would say that, that's a go-God moment. Something is happening here. And it's going to continue because Philip agrees to go. So he says that this man had come to Jerusalem to worship. What's most likely is that this guy had gone up to Jerusalem because he'd heard about Jesus. Candace had heard about Jesus. And we know from the book of Acts that there was an awful lot going on in Jesus' life, including his death and resurrection. And this guy probably was there to witness all of it. What he thought was he was going to witness the coronation of the king of the Jews. But rather, what he ended up being a part of was he was a witness to the murder by crucifixion of the one who was called the king of the Jews. But it says that he went to worship and now he's on his way back home and I have to imagine he's more confused than ever. (laughs) It makes me wonder how many people want to believe in Jesus but they watch the life of Christians and they're more confused than ever. They think they know what they can expect and then they watch us and they say, well, that doesn't line up. And this guy's going home going, it just doesn't line up. Verse 28 says, he was returning seated in his chariot And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Much of the book of Isaiah talks about what is going to happen with the coming Messiah in his life and who he's going to be and some of even what he's going to look like, but also certainly his death, how he's going to die, things like that. No doubt this guy is trying to reconcile the words of the prophet with the events that he just witnessed, and he was struggling. Verse 29, And the Spirit said to Philip, Now go over and join the chariot. Chariot's moving down the dusty road. Philip is still on his feet. And the Holy Spirit says, go join the chariot. He's in for for a workout. See, God gave instructions now on what to do, and Philip obeyed. He's in the middle of nowhere, a dusty road in the desert, and this is the only guy around, so if you haven't started the movie rolling in your mind, this would be a good place to do it. Verse 30, so Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? So Philip is running alongside the chair and he's listening to this guy read out loud because that was the practice in the day. And as he's running, he's going, hey, dude, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I unless someone guides me? And at this point in the conversation, Philip is still running. Nobody ever said obedience was going to be easy. But you know what? You might be the only one that God provides to somebody to help them understand what it all means. You might be the one that God puts in someone's life to bring clarity to their confusion. You might be the one that God has put in someone's life to guide them. That's why we talk about the importance of discipleship. It is how we change culture. We care about people enough that we do the things that are not convenient. We do whatever it takes to come alongside non-believers in order to share the Gospel with them. That's evangelism. And then discipleship is coming alongside and showing them how to live it. That's why we say love Jesus, love people, teach people to love Jesus. We get our faith straight. We evangelize and we teach people about Jesus and then we teach them how to, how to follow Him and, and that's discipleship. And Philip is doing all of those things here in order. Finally, the guy invites Philip to come up and sit with him, the Bible says. Up until this point, he's been on the outside of the chariot, but Philip is obedient to God's leading. Now he's got the opportunity to answer some of this guy's questions. And for a Christian who wants to witness to our faith, it doesn't get any better than that. 
When someone asks you questions about why you believe, are you ready to answer? If somebody at work says, why do you waste your time going to church on Sunday morning? Why do you go up to the open door? It's a great day of ice fishing. Do you have an answer? When someone says, why would you waste your time on that? Do you have a way of telling them, it's not a waste of time, that's the greatest investment of my time I've got. When someone asks you a question, it doesn't get any better than that. So the Ethiopian starts reading from the book of Isaiah. And he ends up saying to Philip, about whom I ask you, does a prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And in verse 35 it says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the Scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Now, now realize, they are in the middle of the driest, dustiest, most barren part of the desert anywhere. And suddenly there's water. If you're one of those Christians that says that's really good luck, I would like to reframe your vocabulary. That's a God incidence, not a coincidence. He says, look, there's water. But what Philip does is he begins where the man is. He begins where the man is with the Scripture that he asks about. And what he does is he leads them through what the Bible says. He didn't have the whole Bible with him. He led them through all the way to the point where he tells them about Jesus, where it gets to the part where he says, believe and be baptized. He talks about why the death and the resurrection of Jesus is good news even for this Ethiopian man. And so the eunuch says, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Because Philip has just told him, and then what do you do? Well, you believe and be baptized. And he says, well, what about me? What prevents me to do it? In the middle of the desert, just where they need it, God provides exactly what is necessary. A man comes to faith. He wants to be baptized, and God provides water in the middle of the desert. When you understand the power of Jesus' death and resurrection, the true significance of baptism and salvation, you should want, you should be compelled to be, to be obedient to Jesus no matter what He asks. And what this passage should do more than anything else is tell you God will take care of all the details. He just wants you to say yes. When God calls, He wants you to be willing to go. God's going to provide whatever it is that we need when we say yes to His voice and we're obedient to His command because nothing is impossible with God. What can be impossible is us trying to get things done our way on our terms. That leads to frustration. But with God, nothing is impossible. Verse 38, And He commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and He baptized them. Even this foreign man knew the importance of being obedient because he read it in God's Word. The Ethiopian knew that to know God, he had to be obedient to God. He heard and obeyed the voice of God as he read it in God's Word. Don't tell me that you never hear from God. If you do, my question is going to be, why don't you read your Bible? You want to hear God's voice to you? Pick up the Bible and start to hear it. It's not written to somebody else somewhere else. It's written to you. If you've never heard God's voice, if you don't know what He sounds like, spend some time in His Word. Get to know Him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way in rejoicing. When I get to heaven down the line from me, one of the things that I want to know is how that happened. How did the Spirit of the Lord pick up Philip and carry him away? I, I, just, I want to see the video of that. And the eunuch continues on his way to Ethiopia. He'll continue through southwest Israel into Egypt. He'll go down Egypt and then he'll make his way in north-central Africa going east to Ethiopia. And he will rejoice bringing the good news of the Gospel of Jesus with him. 
He was filled with joy and the joy continues to follow wherever Jesus is preached. He was going to blaze a trail to Ethiopia. And do you know to this day, the Christian church is alive and well in Ethiopia and it traces its roots back further than anywhere else in that area. Why? Because of the passage we just read. Because this man said, can you explain it to me? And Philip was obedient and he did. You wonder what your purpose is in this world? Maybe it's simply to bear witness to why it is that you believe in Jesus. See, God called Philip away from something that was very successful. It was working well. And He sent him to a place that all that Philip could do was trust in God because He gave him no details whatsoever. He didn't even give him a reason for going. Philip didn't understand the why God called him somewhere else. He just knew that he trusted the who was calling him. He trusted God. He knew that angel spoke for God. And sometimes, you know what? God calls you and I into things that we don't completely understand. And I think the reason is, if God gave us the whole picture, our answer would be no way and we'd run in the opposite direction. When we start listening to the voice of God, we come up with all the reasons why we're not the right one. We don't have the good plan. I don't know my Bible well enough. I haven't been a Christian for long enough. They might ask me a question I can't answer. God's going to take care of all the details. But you know what? Nothing's going to happen unless you say yes. And Philip said yes. Starting in two weeks, we're going to start a new series on Jonah. Jonah heard from God and you know what he said? No way. Turned and ran the opposite direction. We're going to take a good look at how well that worked for him. See, God doesn't always tell us everything ahead of time. He doesn't give us all the details. In fact, God rarely will give you all the pieces of His entire plan ahead of time. What God does is ask us to trust in His plan for us and in His Holy Spirit that He'll give us everything we need to carry out. Here's the thing, and we get mixed up about this. God isn't asking you for your ability. He already gave you that. Your ability is easy. It's the stuff that comes naturally to you. Giving of your ability doesn't cost you anything. You know what God wants? God wants your availability. Because that requires something of you. You've got to take that ability and you've got to go do something with it. You might have a skill that everyone has. You might have a skill, an understanding, a knowledge, something about your personality or character, and that is unique to you, or maybe it's something that all people all over the place have, but you know what? It doesn't do anybody any good unless you make yourself available to God and use it. God's not looking for your ability. God's looking for your availability. Because Philip was available, because he was obedient, the gospel went straight to the queen of Ethiopia, to the, woman, to the man that had all the money for the queen and reached... Eastern Africa, decades before it would have otherwise. It makes me wonder, what would God do with you? What would God do with our church? What would God do with our ministries? What would God do with us as a gathered group of people that say we believe in Jesus if we started saying yes rather than say I'm going to pray about it for a little while? Because while we say we're going to pray about it, God's going to move on to somebody else and He's going to get the job done. What would happen if we started saying yes? How could God use you if you decide to be faithful, obedient, and generous and say yes rather than just I'll pray about it as a way to delay about it? See, God took Philip out of the crowds that were being reached and He sent him to one person. And God does the same thing with you and part of what this passage is about is letting you know that you as one person are important. You matter. Your life matters. What you do with your life matters. Let me repeat that. What you do with your life matters. But you also can choose what you do not do with your life. God wants you to make the most of this life. So what will it be? What are you going to do? Who are you going to become? Where are you going to go? 
Are you comfortably stuck in this life that's familiar and that's easy and you use your abilities and you don't make yourself available to God or anybody else? Because that's what an awful lot of us do. Or do you say, you know what, God, here I am. Use me however you want. See, the fact of the matter is, people keep an eye on you just like they keep an eye on me. If you go to church, if you call yourself a Christian, if you go to church anywhere, I don't care where it is, if people know that about you, they're watching. They're watching what you do and what you say, and if what you believe or what you say you believe matches up to the things that you do and how you talk and how you speak. Because just like this Ethiopian, they're trying to make sense of the words that they read and the stuff that they just saw. Your life matters. It matters to the people who are around you. It matters to the people who know you. It matters to the people that work in school who are paying attention to what it means to be a Christian because they're paying attention to you. Your life matters. What ends up happening is so many of us, we go through life and we're taken off in a direction and and, and we don't really think about where we're going or what we're pointing people to. But our life, we leave bits and pieces of ourselves behind all the time like footprints in the sand. People pay attention. You don't even have to be there. And they look at the footprints, ah, they must be going that way. Or maybe the footprints go up this way. They go, hmm, they're going over that way. Why in the world are they going over there? Where do the footprints of your life lead? If someone follows your footsteps, where are they going to end up? What are you pointing them to? Where are you taking them? Are you walking in a way that leads people to Jesus? Or are the footprints in your life quick to disappear? Fifteen seconds apart, those two photos last week. That's about how long our life is on this earth compared to all of history. I got news for you folks. If you aren't living for Jesus, your life is likely going to be of little enduring consequence. It's going to wash away the first time a wave comes and makes you disappear. But if you're living for Jesus, if you're leading people to Him, if the footprints of your life are pointing in the direction of heaven, the footprints might disappear, but the trail that you blaze in obedience to those who follow and watch will live on forever. See, when you live for Jesus, your life has eternal purpose and meaning. When you hear His voice, will you be willing? Will you go? Will you set aside the things that you want and you prefer to chase after whatever He asks of you? See, that's the life of a disciple. The life of a Christian says, thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins and forgiving me. I'm looking forward to heaven. A disciple says, not my way, but yours, God. Not what I want, but what you want. What is it that you need me to do? Where do you need me to go? That's the difference between being a Christian and a disciple. A true disciple is a world changer. A disciple is a person with whom God can accomplish great things, not because the disciple is a great person, but because God is a great and mighty God. Maybe you're still trying to hear God's voice. Maybe you're not sure that you know it. You say, okay, I'd be willing, but I'm not sure what to do. Then you know what? Read your Bible. If you don't have one, talk to one of us. We'll get you one. Read your Bible. You're going to hear God's voice, so you're going to learn what He sounds like. You're going to learn about His love and His character and His plan for your life. And whatever you do, whatever you do, please, please, do not ignore Him. Do not ignore His voice. If you think it might be God and you're not sure, you can check it with the Bible. Talk to someone who's further along in the faith than you are. Someone who's more mature, who's been a Christian for longer. But whatever you do, don't ignore God. I truly believe the life of greatest regret is when we get to the end of it and we say, wow, I wish I would have. Do not ignore the voice of God. God knows you. God loves you. God alone is 
the only one who will not because he cannot lie or deceive you. God wants his very best for you. There's a million voices in the world. Learn to listen for, to seek, to hear, to trust, to read God's voice. And then be obedient. Do what he says. And don't do that thing that we're so famous for. Don't just say, I'll pray about it because you just want to delay it. When you hear God's voice, say, here I am, send me. Say, I want to live a life that really matters. I want to live a life for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for Philip. Thank you for his obedience for the life that he lived for the example that He leaves for us. Because doing what He did isn't easy. It doesn't come naturally for any of us. People are going to look at us and think we're crazy. They're going to start to talk about us. But you know, God, none of that matters if you're talking to us and if we're being obedient to You. So God, I, I would just ask that to everyone who is here this morning, who's listening online, who will listen later this week or sometime down the road, God, if we're open to, to hearing You, that Your Holy Spirit would be in us and we would be able to know that it truly is You wherever it comes from. Your Word, through the voice of someone else, through a sermon, through a song. Whatever it is, help us to hear Your voice and then, God, to be obedient to it. Not to ask why or how or for how long or for how much, but just simply to be obedient. Let us be a place that is known for being people who are obedient to Your call, to Your Word who aren't just Christians, but who are disciples, who want to make a great and mighty difference in the world around us, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. And God, we give you thanks. Thank you for what you did for us in Jesus that, he cannot, that we cannot do for ourselves, that in his death and resurrection we can come to you knowing that you hear every word that we say. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.